Hello and welcome to another great episode of Fat Love Talk, where we got a jam-packed, jelly-filled donut of an episode for you. If that don't make you hungry, I don't know what will. Today we're going to talk about the Black Ops 4 beta, we're going to talk about a few other things involving games, but we're going to talk about a couple of controversial news stories in the, right now going on, one of them being the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy debacle. I would love to talk about that. I've been kind of waiting and holding off, and my podcast doesn't really talk about too many you know, news stories or political things or whatever, um, but I, I'm a big Marvel fan. I'm a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. It's one of my favorite Marvel franchises they brought out from this Marvel Cinematic Universe um, that they're currently doing in the live-action movies. And I just would love to give my opinion on that. In addition to that, we're going to talk about the IGN um, Dead Cells review controversy. And I mention that because I'm a big follower of IGN's Nintendo Voice Chat podcast. And Philip Mewson is the host of that podcast, or rather was. We'll get into that. Um, and I'd love to give my opinions and thoughts on that. Maybe some ways to avoid what happened, you know. Um, that being said, let's just dive into this. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's get it. So let's go ahead and start off the podcast with some lighter news. This last Tuesday, Overcooked 2 released on all the platforms. I'm talking Switch. I'm talking Sony's PlayStation, Microsoft's Xbox, PC. It is a fabulous game. I have cooked, I have chopped, I have cleaned, I have conquered the kitchen. As of last night, August 11th, 2018, uh-huh, I have platinumed the game. You heard that right? The platinum trophy is mine. It's platinum number 22 for my PlayStation profile. That's right. Get hyped. Send me congratulations. I know I'm dope, all right? I worked hard. And I did that. Now, if you ask me to conquer the kitchen in the real world, the real life, things that I could do in there will not impress you. And uh, we're going to be leaving disappointed. I did not get no platinum trophy for the real life kitchen cooking competition because that would be obscene. That being said, I need to probably get some cookbooks, watch the Food Network a little bit more, and learn how to make some recipes so that when I invite friends over, when I invite, you know, the ladies over, then you know what's going down. A good meal. That being said... I loved the game. It was a lot of fun, honestly, okay? Let's just dive into this. Um, there were a lot of updates from the first one, which, for the record, I did not play. However, my brother played it, and he and his girlfriend absolutely loved it. They had a good time. They had a great experience. They 100% in the game. Um, by that, I mean all the trophies were earned. There was not a platinum trophy for Overcooked, the first one, and Overcooked 2 did have a platinum, probably because it got more popular, got more press, got more um, advertising. But they added an online multiplayer to the second one. They added an arcade mode, a versus mode. They added a story where you can have three different campaigns going at one time in case maybe you have a younger brother or something and you don't want to use your main save file. Um, and you're just like, okay, you can play with me on this profile. But, you know, outside of that, it was, it was a good experience. There were a ton of cooks. Uh, my only gripe with the entire game um, would have to be that there was not a penguin cook as an option to play as. You unlock a lot of characters, a lot of animals, and uh, once I beat the full version of the game, I unlocked all the cooks, which is a trophy, and I've been playing as the eagle cook, and I've been, you know squawking over in my corner, hey, we need, you know, eggs and butter and stuff like that to make these pancakes, um, eggs and flour, actually. Um, and apparently people put honey and chocolate in cakes, 
And I didn't really think about that. And I'm just like, that sounds fantastic. So if anybody listening wants to reach out to me and they're good at cooking um, and they want to make me a cake with honey and chocolate, I'll try it. Like, that sounds delicious. That, I mean, the recipe on Overcooked is probably very, very, very simplified for the game, but they put uh, eggs, uh, flour, chopped honey, and uh, chocolate. And I'm like, yo, that sounds delicious. I would, I would at least try it, if not devour it if I like it. You know what I'm saying? Because some of the recipes in here, mm, they put sausage and rice in their burritos they put, you know, all kinds of stuff together. And I was like, man, I really needed to learn how to cook some some good meals so that I could entertain people when I get my place. You know what I'm saying? I can get it set up. I can get it going. It can be popping off. You know what I'm saying? I, I really think that Overcooked 2 is a fun game, but it makes you realize how much or little you know about the kitchen. And I'm just like, yeah, the most I like in the kitchen is the fact that there's food there. Beyond that, not so much, but I digress. Let's dive into the Black Ops 4 beta. Um, now, I originally told myself not buying Black Ops 4 this year. It's just it's stupid. I buy Call of Duty every year, and what do I get from it? You know, a few prestiges, a, a few hours of, oh yeah, this has been fun, and then nothing. That being said, I platinumed World War II. All right, the most recent Sledgehammer games, Call of Duty World War II. I did platinum that title. It's the only Call of Duty I have ever platinumed, and it was not easy by any means. It was actually very incredibly stupid hard. But um, for that same reason, Battlefield 1 is a very hard platinum because there's one particular trophy um, that I'm currently like at odds with, and I'm just like, I need three trophies to platinum the game, and I just don't want to go through the process because of how complicated one of these trophies is. Um, that being said, um, Black Ops 4 was fun. They changed up the formula. You're now playing with specialists where you can have one of each specialist, kind of like how Rainbow Six Siege does it. Um, and I do have the platinum for Rainbow Six Siege as well. So if that tells you anything about my shooters, um, you know, I love tactical shooters. Um, World War II doesn't really count as a tactical shooter, but it's Call of Duty all the same. Um, so you play as an individual specialist with their own perks or whatever, specialist weapons, um, you can pretty much get your own loadout, and you kind of conquer things. There was a new heist game mode I was playing, um, Weekend 2, which is this current weekend going on. Um, it's fun. My friends compared it to CSGO. Um, they like to think that Call of Duty steals everything that they have from somebody else, which, to be fair, um, if other players had it first, and they're just kind of copying it, kind of are, but... They do it in a Call of Duty way that makes it individual and unique and fun. Um, and I like that. I like that Treyarch is the most experimental with their game modes. You don't really see a lot of experimentation with Sledgehammer Games or Raven Studios um, on the other Call of Duty titles. But but Treyarch is locking it down and saying, yo, we're not afraid to try something new, see what the people think, see what the people want. Most people go to Treyarch for zombies. And I don't get to play zombies in the beta. Um, blackout mode is coming in September, so I don't have any kind of gameplay, um, or review of that. But for the first weekend of the beta, I played it quite a bit. I got up to level 29, um, currently, and 
I had a good time. I really, really enjoyed Chaos TDM. It was fun. It was enjoyable. It was great. And I thought to myself, you know what? Screw what other people think of Call of Duty, and they can haggle me all they want. I'm going to buy Black Ops 4. It's fantastic this time around. Black Ops 3 got me 16 days. That's over 700 hours worth of gameplay. Now, that's worth the 60 bucks plus the season pass. I paid my my contents price, all right? I did my due justice. Then Weekend 2 came around for the Black Ops 4 beta, and, and I gotta be honest with you. When I was playing Heist, I got a little agitated, all right? You get one life, which is totally fair, and there are people who are quickscoping, and there are people who are just running up to you with heavy body armor when you can only afford light body armor. And they're just mowing you down because they have, like, every freaking attachment on the guns that they have. And I'm just like, you really got to play this tactical. So I played it for a good hour. And I was trying to play tactical. And I kept getting my ass handed to me on a silver platter. And I was just like, nah. Nah. I, I didn't necessarily rage quit because I did have a headache from the heat in my apartment, uh, my place. And I'm just like... Nope, I'm done. I'm done. If you get to level 40 during the beta, which is the level cap during the beta, you get a free unlock token for the full version of the game. And I just gave up. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I'm done. I turned it off. I watched the last half of season six of Arrow on Netflix, and I called it quits. Now, that being said, I retract my earlier statement about buying Call of Duty because at this point I was thinking to myself, I said I would buy Call of Duty this year. I was really happy with it. Now I'm just like, nah. I had this back-and-forth relationship, almost bipolar relationship, with Call of Duty and the franchise. My friends hate it. My friends will never, ever, ever, ever buy Call of Duty. My friend Tyler, the homie Tyler, from back at my E3 podcast, my first couple episodes, you can go check those out at any time. Um, he was telling me, yeah, I'll pick up Call of Duty um, Black Ops 4 two years from now on Black Friday in a bargain bin. I won't get it before then. All the content will be out by then. It'll be cheap by then, and I cannot waste my money at that point. I'm like, while that is kind of smart, it'd probably be the same price a year later. And you're missing out on all the fun. You know, I'm a part of this, you know? And, and the best part about Call of Duty is you're part of a community. And, and that community, whether it be toxic or not to you, is still a community. And I like being a part of something. And being a part of something always, always kind of feels good, you know? So I'm a part of a couple of communities on PlayStation. Um, one of my YouTubers I follow, uh, Ecoli Espresso, a great, great guy. I mean, I don't know that personally, but from the videos I'm seeing, he's he's a great guy. Um, he puts out good, lengthy content for Call of Duty. He breaks stuff down, goes deep, dives in, gives us the content we need from Call of Duty. He He's he's not a sellout like Ali <clears throat> I won't do. I won't even talk about that. But... He's a good, quality, Call of Duty YouTuber, and I love that kind of content. No matter my opinion on Call of Duty, or if I'm going to buy it or not, because I'm kind of on the fence again about this, I will always watch Call of Duty videos from my YouTubers I follow, because I just enjoy Call of Duty as a whole. And even seeing gameplay and somebody talk about the game and the updates and the developer notes and you know, new game modes or weapons or attachments or whatever it may be at the time, I'm going to be interested in that for the probably the rest of my life, the, at least for the foreseeable future. 
I, I don't know why, but that's just how I am. You know, I, I like shooters a lot. I'm terrible at them. And the sooner that I admit that to myself, the more fun I can have while playing them. So like Rainbow Six Siege, that Platinum did not come easy. All right, a lot of those trophies, no, I digress. A lot of those trophies were online multiplayer trophies. Terrorist hunt, multiplayer, yeah, there's a story, okay? But it's like 10 chapters, and it's literally 10 individual scenarios with 10 individual specialists, the original 10, I believe. And you just do a mission with their specific weapons. It's kind of like a tutorial. The whole freaking campaign for Rainbow Six Siege is a tutorial. And then there's a, there's a last one, an 11th chapter. And that one, you have to matchmake with other players and do a story mission with whatever specialist you want from that point. And you have to, uh, you know, defuse some bombs on a school campus, a college campus. And, you know, I thought that was really cool. My brother and I actually just clicked search at the same time because you can't party up. And we just got lucky and got popped into the same lobby. And I was like, yes. Uh, and we, we wrecked shit. You know, we just took care of business and went out of there. You know, aces. Uh, I felt pretty good about that platinum. I really, really enjoyed that platinum. I'm the only one of my friends who has that platinum because um, the terrorist hunt trophies are a bit of a grind. And like I said, my friends don't really play shooters that much. They, they don't like Call of Duty and whatnot. So... They kind of got burnt out a lot quicker than I did, so grinding that out is going to happen for them. It's going to happen. They're going to get the Platinum, but will it be in 2018 or will it be next year? You know, I figure they're all going to have it, um, at least my brother and the homie Tyler, by 2019. You know, either if not by the end of 2019, then they're going to get it in 2020. I doubt they'll wait that long. They might. Uh, the burnout changes for each person individually. Me, when I get burnt out on a game, I only give it a, about a week or two, and I'll, I'll jump back in. But the homie Tyler, for instance, um, from what I've seen, it, it takes a couple months for him to get back into something. He'll play it with a group of friends during that burnout, but he won't play it for himself until he's, he's just like, okay, I've taken a break long enough, and that's going to be a couple months. I, I feel him. You know, that's, that's how it is for some people, and I get that. He'll get the platinum eventually. You know, he's go, he's going to play it, you know, a couple matches here, a couple matches there, bam, platinum. All the hard ones are out of the way for him anyway. Uh, my brother <laughs> my brother still has a pretty, not complicated online trophy to get, but it's a pretty particular online trophy. He has to put a breach charge on a wall, and on the other side of the wall has to be an enemy player, and he has to blow that player up. And I'm like... You know the odds of doing that? I got lucky. Like, I just planted a, wall, a, a breach charge. Bam! Guy was on the other side. Oh! He was gone. Dead. Toast. He was in the, the nether realm at that point. You know what I'm saying? He was, he was, he was, he was not around anymore. Um, he had to watch his kill cam and, and feel defeated. Um, but my brother will get that eventually. If we can squat up, we can down somebody and then, like, BS the trophy, hopefully. Um, at least that's the hope. But we'll, we'll see. The Black Ops 4 beta, more to the point, was fun the first weekend playing Chaos TDM. Loads of fun. The second weekend, I just got frustrated within like two hours. And I'm just like, mm, I really wanted to like this. I really wanted to like this. So we're going to wait. And I, I have access to the beta for Blackout mode, the Battle Royale. Don't even like Battle Royale. Call of Duty might make me like it, though. Never know. I always liked the Call of Duty formula. 
we'll see what happens because snipers on Call of Duty are godly. Let's move on to the next segment where I want to talk about the Smash Bros. Direct. So I didn't know if I wanted to talk about the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy kind of debacle. Um, but I decided I had some opinions on it. And as a Marvel fan, as as a, a moviegoer and a big gamer, I kind of feel like I get the opinion about it. One, because I'm a human being on the planet that we all share. So I am entitled to have an opinion. And two... I kind of feel like I can bring up some good points and start a discussion that, you know, is good. I mean, productive, perhaps. Let's go ahead and just jump into this. You can find all these articles, all these all these tidbits of information online. It's all over Twitter, all over the news networks, all over everywhere. I follow a YouTuber by the name of Philip DeFranco. He even covered this on his channel and broke it down real nice. Um, I'll give you the summary, though. Basically, James Gunn, who's the director for Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2. Some people dug up some old tweets that he had put on Twitter. And uh, they weren't necessarily the most appropriate. They had some off-brand humor. And they weren't something that, quote, Disney says, reflects their values. So he got canned. Toodaloo, adios, bye-bye. Alright? About a week later... The whole Guardians cast came out with an open letter stating pretty much we back James Gunn. He was a different person back then. He's a different person now. He's changed. He's not that person anymore. Yada, yada. I'm, I'm summarizing this very heavily. This isn't all of what it said. I, I implore you to do some research to go find this if you don't already know about it. And, uh, and then the update, the reason why I'm, I'm glad I didn't say anything until this week is because Dave Bautista... The actor who plays Drax on Guardians of the Galaxy, he came out. He's been the most vocal uh, from the Guardians cast. He has been the most vocal. Um, apparently, his relationship with James Gunn is very good because he said it would be an injustice to not use the script that James Gunn had made for Guardians 3 if you don't rehire him. And if they don't rehire him, or more specifically, if they don't use his script... Dave Bautista, the actor who plays Drax, said that he will go to the end of his contract in Kaput. It's not fair. That's some flat-out loyalty, if you ask me. I mean, I get the director is very important in the making of a film. And I don't know how Disney is going to approach this with Marvel, you know? How they're going to kind of fix this. Because they've put themselves in, like, an awkward situation. And I get it, okay? You know why I don't post on Twitter very much? Why I retweet most of what I put on there? You know why I don't put my opinions out there for the world to hear? It's because somebody is going to get butt hurt about something somebody else says. And then their their angry, you know, keyboard fingers. Because that's all they are, keyboard warriors. They're going to be fighting to get their side of the story, their opinions to be the correct ones, and they're going to go after me. It's ridiculous, the world we live in. The click of a button on your keyboard, you could destroy somebody. Whether it be emotionally, for this situation financially, for, for you know, reputation-wise. There are a lot of examples in Hollywood specifically that I could bring up. I'm not going to because I don't want to get into this whole debate of Hollywood versus real life versus debates and all this crap, okay? But there's a lot of stories you could find about accusations towards 
directors and actors and and things people said online. You know, a, a good recent review or a good recent um, showing of that would be that situation with those those boys who were stuck in a cave. Um, I forget. Oh man, I forget. I brought this up and I even I don't even remember the whole story. Um, but there was a scuba diver who saved their lives. And then he like mocked this trying to think of the, the full story. Um, I apologize for this. If it's, if it's different, um, this is why I don't talk about news stories that much. Cause I don't reference very often and I'm recording this on my phone, so I can't necessarily look it up. But it was a good news story. I implore you to, to look deeper into this if you can figure out the decoding of what I said. Um, basically, though, um, people get mad at each other and they fight on Twitter and they yell at each other and they get all butthurt about stuff. And I'm just like, it, it makes me like borderline afraid to share my opinion with anybody outside of my close circle of friends. You know, it's like you say one thing that somebody else disagrees with and you're the devil. The devil himself. And I'm like, I I excuse you, your entitlement doesn't make you right. Like, you can go sit in a corner. I have an opinion. Whether that be right or wrong, it's still mine. And it's right to some people and it's wrong to others. This world was made to be different. You know, we all have free will. And that's, that's what makes us bicker and, and differ and, and fight each other. And that's what gives us pride. You know, and at the end of the day, going back to this story, I think James Gunn, if he posted tweets 10 years ago, which the story states is 10 years ago, that does not reflect the person he is today. And giving you a personal example to kind of show that, back in high school, I was a much different person. I've talked about this, you know, on my previous podcast, diving into some personal stuff. But I was a different person. I'll admit that. Like, I was shy. I was secluded. I was a hermit, essentially. I had my, my two friends at the time, um, and they were good friends. I don't, I don't even today speak ill of them. They're great people. They're good people. We had a different opinion on stuff, and we parted ways after high school or our senior year more specifically. And, and it's fine because I liked, you know, my opinion over their opinion, and the end of the day, what are you going to do? You know, you, you can't change somebody else's mind. You can't force somebody to see your point of view, but you have to be open minded enough to listen and have a real debate. Otherwise you're just having a one sided conversation and you're being disrespectful. And I, I, I've learned like back in high school, I didn't have that point of view. I was very much so a child and stubborn and, I burned a lot of bridges because I was like, it's my way or the highway, Jack. GTFO if you don't want to be a part of my way. And a lot of people did. They got out. They left. I was alone. And it took me a while to realize that I was the problem. Not particularly in those situations. Just like in general, my mindset was the problem. I was a great person, um, I think. Um, I was a troubled kid. I had my own set of problems, but... I was like any other kid in America, you know? I was trying my best with what I had. And my brain didn't always respond the correct way. So, if James Gunn posted some pretty bad tweets 10 years ago, 
Here's my question to you. Can you change enough in 10 years to be a better person? You know the whole age and wisdom thing? With age comes wisdom? Or do you think deep down inside, James Gunn is still the same person that posted those tweets 10 years ago? Because cause if we're being honest here, Disney hired him and didn't know about these tweets because they weren't relevant. If your company goes to your full Twitter log and that determines you being hired somewhere, Lord help us all. And Lord helps those people who screenshot other people's tweets to save and document it. I don't get why people are so salty at everyone and they got to screenshot stuff. Oh, my boyfriend and I got in an argument last night. I totally screenshot the whole thing. I'm not going to let it go. He can delete all those messages. I don't care. I still have them. Oh, he was tweeting to her. He was in her DMs. I got the conversation. I snagged his phone, took screenshots, sent them to me. I have on my phone. He's playing. Look, I, you tripping. Stop screenshotting everything on your phone. You know, <clears throat> I don't want to spoil too much of the most recent season of The Flash with the thinker, but the mindset of that villain for the last this recent season of, of The Flash was pretty much society and technology have gone too far. Technology, instead of helping us evolve, is keeping us from evolving because we're becoming soft. We're becoming a you know accustomed to technology, we're growing up with technology and we're, we're becoming too comfortable. So the whole mindset of the thinker in this most recent season of the flash was pretty much to like shoot some satellites into space and pretty much wipe out everybody's brain on the planet back to like caveman status. Why? Because he thinks society needs a reset because we've become too soft. Now, you can think what you want about technology and how we adapt to it. You know, look at, I'm 25, and my mom is like early 50s, like 52, all right? She needs help with her phone a lot, okay? That doesn't mean that she's not good with technology. It just means she didn't grow up when technology was booming. Like like me. I'm 25. I can operate a computer. I can operate, you know, a phone. I can operate a lot of technology. Can I drive a forklift? No. Can I make an advanced spreadsheet on Excel? Me personally, no. But I know other 25-year-olds who can, all right, who were trained to do that. There are all kinds of, of ways technology can help us, can evolve us, can make us better. But there are also ways technology can hinder us, can halt our progress. A good example is I'm a gamer. Do you think even a hundred years ago, consoles were an issue for evolution? No. Okay. I don't know when the first gaming console came out. I think it was in the 1900s. Don't quote me on that, please. But, like, playing Pong isn't going to halt your progress. 
but playing GTA 5 for six hours a day for, you know, seven days a week could differ for some people. You know, you give a 10-year-old Call of Duty and let him play it for a week, is he going to be angry because of that game? Or is he going to be a normal kid who just likes a video game and plays it in his free time? I remember a day, and this shows my age of 25, when my parents would be like, no, 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 get out of here. Look, I just got interrupted, and I lost my train of thought. So what I'm going to do is say this. I'm going to end this segment like this, okay? I don't think technology is hindering us as a whole, as a society, as a planet. I think it's bettering us. You know, we've explored space. We've, you know, created technology. We've got, you know, video games. I was talking about that, I think, a minute ago. Um, that give us entertainment. You've got shows, TVs, radios. You're listening to this podcast right now as a big thank you from, you know, the cell phone companies, the computer companies. You know, you, you're listening to this on some sort of device. You wouldn't have had this device that you're listening to me on 100 years ago. Heck, maybe even 50 years ago. If you have the newest iPhone or the newest Samsung Galaxy phone, you wouldn't have had that phone a year ago. Unless you have the uh, 6 or 7. But at that point, you know, still, technology is always evolving. Technology is always advancing. And it's never going to stop. I think James Gunn did nothing wrong here. He was a different person back then. I think they should rehire him, put him back where he was. He learned his lesson at this point. He's been canned for how many weeks now? Like over a month, I believe. But like, no. No, people get all angry. Anger is going to be what ruins the world. Not technology, but people. The people in the world are going to ruin the world. It's a stupid example, but God flooded the earth back when Noah made the ark because the world was so disgusting, they needed a reset. Free will, the free will God gave us could be a good thing, can be used for good. But, you know, we don't always use it for good. Sometimes we use it for bad. That's what makes us human. That's what God wanted in the first place is us to be human, for us to choose but come on, deep inside of us, we have good. We have forgiveness. And we change. I don't know James Good personally. I don't know him from Abraham. But from seeing this news story, seeing his reaction, seeing the actor's reaction, they have the interaction with him that I don't have. They see him on a daily basis because of the movies that he was directing them in with Guardians 1 and 2. At some point, something's got to give. That's all i got to say. At some point, something's got to give. I don't think they're going to rehire him, if I'm being honest. But that's just my opinion. And uh, I'll end it at that. So we're going to save the IGN story for last. I want to close out the podcast with that, because i got a lot to say about that. And I'd like that to be my final thought um, on the podcast. So what we're going to do is talk about the Smash Brothers Direct, because, oh my God, it was so big... Filled with so much information, I had to actually... Can you hear this? There's a piece of paper in my hand. Literally everything is written down. I couldn't even write it all on a notepad on my phone. 
and screenshot it to myself because that would just be too much. I couldn't scroll through a screenshot, and I certainly can't record this while I'm looking at my phone. So I had to write it down on pen and paper. You know how that works from the old days. Um, technology is great. I know I mentioned in my last segment that technology is that differing opinion, but I personally think technology is fabulous. And uh, we're going to go ahead and just dive right into this. I will give you a notice. Today is Sunday, August 12th, and this Direct came out like four or five days ago. If you haven't seen the memes, if you haven't seen the news, if you haven't heard of this, then I'm sorry, but this is literally spoilers for the entire Direct. All right, the whole world should know about this by now. And I'm just really excited as a Nintendo fan to talk about this. Let's go ahead and just dive right into it. Simon Belmont and Richter Belmont. They both got uh, Smash entries. Like, they're both in Smash Brothers. They're two new fighters that are coming to the game. Um, Richter is going to be an Echo Fighter of Simon. Um, and I really like that. There are going to be 34 pieces of music from the Castlevania franchise in Smash Brothers. Like, the music alone is going to be worth $60. But no, 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 no. There's a game in there, too. Whew! Talk about getting your money's worth. On top of that, the I implore you, please, please, I'm going to take a second here. Go watch the reveal trailer for Simon Belmont and Richter Belmont. Luigi, my boy, I am sorry. Nintendo approached you and was like, yo, you've been in mansions before. You've dealt with booze. Let's go deal with straight-up death. I feel bad. I feel bad for Luigi. My thoughts and prayers, brother. <laughs> it's a good reveal trailer, though. Go check it out. Um, Krom got announced, which is an Echo Fighter of Roy. Now, I love the Fire Emblem characters because Fire Emblem is one of my favorite franchises. But I will say it's a little bit of a bull bull when all the Fire Emblem sword fighters can just counter. Um, if you can time counters right, you're, you win. Like, there's just, you can be pro just by countering. Um, Dark Samus got announced. He's an Echo Fighter too. Of course, Samus. Um, I'm really excited for that because I never played any of the Metroid games. So I'm assuming that's like a franchise favorite, which is why he was announced. But those were the only four. For this Direct, there's more to come. Probably more characters. We're at like 76 characters with Echo Fighters included. This is a huge fighting roster, man. It's probably the biggest fighting game on the planet right now. Moving on, we got stages and modes. Okay, here's the breakdown. Stock, which is like a lives counter version of Smash, where you you have like three lives, yada yada, you die three times, you're done. Um, stock is now the new default. It used to be timed, I believe, on a majority of other Smash Brothers, but now it's stock. All I like to play is stock. I don't really do timed. I don't do the coin mode, any of that stuff. That being said, there is a new Smashdown mode where you use all fighters in the roster. So let's say, for instance, you pick, you know, Wario, and your opponent picks Krom, all right? In the next round, Wario and Krom aren't highlighted. You can't choose them. So you pick Lucario, and they pick Peach. Cool. 
but now Lucario and Peach aren't playable for the rest of the matches. You go through the whole roster that way. I think it sounds fun. I think it could be interesting. Um, the mode I'm excited about, though, is going to be the tournament mode is finally a staple in this title. You want to have a tournament with up to 32 of your closest homies? Bruz, bring the controllers, get over to my place, we smashing. Now in the wrong context, they might think something else, but they need to calm down because <clears throat> we playing video games. Squad Strike is also a new mode, 3v3, 5v5. I'm excited for this because it gives you a chance to do more than one stock fight. So you pretty much have five lives with five different characters. I think that's dope. All right. And the cool thing about that is you can strategize and pick characters that your opponent is good at. But you're, you know, you can snag them real quick if you're decent. And I like that. The whole setup is good. But that being said, there's a special smash mode, um, you know, that is called smash mode. Now, there's not a lot known about this one they didn't really talk about it too much but the modes are going to be fun i'm always down to try new modes speaking of modes let's talk about stages all right there are over 300 stages on this game now if you want to be technical there are 103 stages in the game but if you include omega modes which is like the ones that don't move or interact at all um there are over 300. You could also have the option to turn off stage interactables. If you're on, like, the Mega Man stage, this is the example they showed, and that big yellow dude, I don't play Mega Man, don't get mad at me, the big yellow dude is interacting with things, and he's screwing people up, and he's raising up their, you know, percent of damage. You could turn off stage interactables, all right? You could turn off um, items, in the previous editions, but I don't believe you could turn off stage interactables unless it was an Omega stage. And even then, I'm pretty sure there were still stage interactables. Um, don't quote me on that. I didn't play a lot of Smash. I'm not like a, a Smash lover. I'm just a Smash player. Um, on top of that, there's a new stage morph option where out of these 103 stages, you can pick two. And during the course of your fight, whether it be timed, stock, or coin, it'll morph from one stage to another. How dope is that? You know how much work had to go into making that an option? Because it had to be able to morph uh, 300 times, essentially. Every stage with every other stage. Probably more than 300 if you think about it, because, God, that's a lot of work. I give props to the Smash development team in Sakurai. Okay? Or Sakurai. I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong. Dude, I'm... I'm terrible with names and, and at where I'm at now versus, you know, foreign names. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I disrespected you. All right. The stage morph option is dope, though. And I give you props for that. There are going to be over 900 tracks in this game. Music tracks. It's over 28 hours of music. In addition to that, for the first time in Switch history, you can now put your Nintendo Switch into rest mode with a pair of headsets plugged in and listen to the library of music on the go. The example they gave was Baby Girl was just chilling in, in I believe it was Japan, 
She is chilling, playing a little smash on the side, turns on some of that music, puts her switch in sleep mode, slides that into her purse. Boom! She's jamming to Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze or Castlevania or whatever soundtrack you choose. She's jamming, just taking a walk down, you know, whatever street she's on, going for an enjoyable, nice, peaceful evening walk. Listen to the Nintendo game soundtrack sounds of old. I can dig. In fact, I might do that myself just to be proven the point that you can do it. Honestly, I don't see a reason to be listening to all this in 28 hours of music on the go. But you slide that aux cable in your car to your Switch, boom, road trip, let's go. I'm down for that. If you're down for that, if we're down for that, let's go. I think my favorite stage they announced that's new is going to be the new Donk City Hall stage. All right, Super Smash Brothers is doing things right. New Super Mario Odyssey was a was a smash. I haven't beat the game yet. I'm I'm not even I only I think I'm halfway, but I'm not I'm at the food city or the food world. So I'm not at the end yet, and I'm certainly not going for hundred percent. But New Donk City, oh my god, once you beat the objective for that, there's a concert. Like a huge concert. It's dope. It is the highlight of the game in my opinion. I haven't beat the game, but I've seen the full game online. I've watched gameplay walkthroughs, and it was the highlight of the game. It was so good. Go look up New Donk City in scene or concert. It's perfect. Dracula's Castle, obviously going to be a new stage of Castlevania, is going to be joining the fight. The training mode is going to get an exclusive grid stage on top of the 103, so 104. Um, that's going to highlight distances, smash distances, whatever. It's going to show you how each character plays if you want to go into training mode with an individual new character and try them out. Um, I think my favorite assist uh, trophy is going to be uh, as a Pokemon, Ditto. He will actually morph into the fighter who threw him and like attack other players as that fighter. And I'm like, yo, that's dope. And the cool thing is, the example they gave was this, the Inkling girl. He had a roller, and he could also splosh paint as Ditto. And I'm like, how, how does that work? How did he get paint if he copied her, but he didn't have the asset? You know what? Pokemon is weird, okay? That's how. I didn't think too much about it after I realized that. Ditto is the one you stick in the, the daycare to pretty much sleep with all your Pokemon and give you eggs. All right? So there's no logic to it. Zero logic. I did like the fact that the Majora's Mask Moon was also an assist trophy and that the Rathalos from Monster Hunter is going to be an assist trophy and also a boss. And it looks dope. Okay, it's huge, as the Rathalos should be. But, like, in comparison to the sprites or the character models of Smash Brothers, it's huge. Which is why I'm confused why they added Rid Ridley as a fighter. I'm like, he's the biggest fighter now. And I'm just like, dude, you're so tall. Your hitbox is going to be insane. I don't know. I digress. Now, that being said, that's pretty much all the news. I've given you 12 solid minutes in this segment of content to mull over because this was one of the best directs. And it wasn't even the end. They showed us the menu of Smash Bros. And they even blurred out a bottom left uh, corner of it. It was green. 
in the 3DS version, that was a single-player kind of mode, Smash mode or whatever, where you could go do this, you know, collect items and increase your character stuff or whatnot. Now, there was an online speculation in theory, and I'm happy I waited a few days to post about this, because apparently somebody de-blurred it. I don't know how that's possible. Um, and it's supposed to say the word spirits. And then Luigi, you know, rip, got his spirit literally ripped out of him by death. So uh, I want to know what that's about. There will be a future direct before December, and you best believe Fat Love Talk will be discussing it when it arrives. You will not miss any ounce of content regarding Nintendo and Smash Brothers on this podcast. But let's go ahead and move on to the last segment of the evening. The one that I know you've all been just biting your fingernails waiting for. It. <laughs> let's talk about the IGN Dead Cells controversy. So I'm a big fan of IGN. And I, I love their content. I follow them on Twitter. I follow them on YouTube. I watch my Nintendo Voice Chat IGN podcast every Friday or the weekend. Um... And I, I keep myself informed on Nintendo news, gaming news, game reviews, all that stuff. I have other sources that I follow as well for gaming information and sources of news. Of course, there's going to be a lot of them out there. But IGN, a lot of people know IGN as a news source. So, of course, people are going to follow them and love them and, and, and keep coming back. I do. So, let's just go ahead and dive in to this controversy. Nintendo editor Philip Mewson posted a review on Dead Cells. Didn't run of the mill, whatever. It's a review. Now, the requirements IGN has for their reviewers is they have to have beaten the game before they review the game. Ripped anybody who played an RPG for a review, like Bravely Default or Bravely Second or, you know, Octopath Traveler or Persona 5. God, help those people. Or Monster Hunter World, even. Oh, my God. That game was huge. No. Like, I'm pretty sure they don't make them beat 100% of RPGs to do the review. But for smaller titles, yeah. They require you to pretty much beat the game before you review the game. So, Philip Mewson, Nintendo editor at IGN. Or, rather, I say was Nintendo editor at IGN, if you know where the story is going. Um, posted a review on Dead Cells. For Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, whatever. The, the works. <sighs> Next thing you know, YouTuber Boomstick Gaming hits IGN up like, yo, um, I don't know if it's just some freaky similarity, but uh, <clears throat> that, uh, that review kind of sort of copies mine. Like almost word for word. Is that, uh, does that count as plagiarism? Now, IGN, you know, being a company, is like, oh, oh crap. So they, they pull the review, they do an investigation, and lo and behold, it was plagiarized. Now, before I go any further, I just want to say, how stupid do you got to be to have a, a badass job working in the video games industry as a journalist? Making God knows how much. More than I'm making right now, that's for sure. IGN's in California. You know they're paying them well. At least for the economy down there. 
why would you plagiarize and risk your job when your job is to be an editor? You should be writing reviews frequently. You know, either you're working on wikis, you're working on reviews, you're working on, on whatever. You're playing games at work. Your desk is nerd out with all kinds of cool, you know, figures and stuff. I follow multiple IGN employees on their personal Twitter pages. And it's, it's wonderful how much they love their jobs, how I get to see their lives. You know, they're married. They have, you know, maybe they have kids. Maybe they have pets. Maybe they have, you know, they're single, but they're just kicking it. And San Fran, the thing that gets me the most, you know what? Let me keep going with the story. Then I'll give you my opinion. So, Basically, what happens is they apologize to Boomstick Gaming. I don't know if he got compensated, but I'm pretty sure he did. It would seem like the right thing to do. Um, but IGN and Philip Mewson parted ways. Ergo, Philip got canned. Now, I can tell you this much. I was. Philip Mewson, being the Nintendo editor, replaced Jose Otero. I liked Jose Otero because he was the host of Nintendo Voice Chat, and he was a great host. So Philip Mewson taking his place means he was going to be the new host of the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast on IGN. Now, I never got used to him as the host until here about the last month and a half, two months. He's kind of an awkward host, not good at transitioning, has no power behind his voice to be like, yo, let's stop the shenanigans and let's move forward with this podcast. There are four panelists in the NVC podcast normally. That being said... Now I'll give my opinion. Okay, look. Philip Mewson had been working at IGN about nine months before this debacle, before he got canned um, for plagiarism, which, by the way, good luck getting a job as a journalist somewhere else. <sighs> Me, personally, it's, it's close to a dream job for me to have a job at IGN. There is no way in hell I would ever put that at risk if I got hired at IGN. The people, I think, are hilarious, fun, great, good people. All right, I could give examples if you really want to. Brian Altano, Max Scoville, two of my favorite people at IGN right now. They are hilarious. Brian Altano just had his first baby, and I'm super happy for him. And he has like nine podcasts. The dude is a busy guy. I'm not even kidding. He has a ton of projects, and he's married, and he's got a life to live. And he's doing all these podcasts on top of what he's doing. Plus, he's a huge Nintendo fan, so he's been pumping out gameplays. Not like, you know, gameplays for you to watch, but like he's been playing like every Switch game they come out with to review it on the NVC podcast, because he's a staple on that. I don't want him to be the host, but I would love for him to be on like almost all the episodes, because he's, his opinion is great, and I love listening to his podcasts. But Philip is just... Huh, he was getting somewhere. He made YouTube videos, and then he got hired at IGN. And then, what, he plagiarizes some dude and gets fired? That's ridiculous. Come on. 
And over a game like Dead Cells, that's a small indie title. What, did you think because it was a small title, you could just get away with stealing somebody else's review? On top of that, how much work does it take to go online, find a, a, a video review, and like copy down all that content to just... Like, come on. You get paid enough to do a job, so do it. I feel bad for him, okay? As a human being, I feel bad for him. As a previous IGN employee, I think he's ridiculous, though. I was really starting to like him as the host of NVC. I was really starting to get used to him as the host of NVC. Now it's just like... I can't even comprehend why a person would plagiarize. Again, let me just repeat this. It would be a damn close to dream job to work for IGN as a Nintendo editor. Heck, just to work at IGN in general. They can make me the copy boy who just makes faxes and sends faxes and carries equipment. I will do that job proudly if it pays well. Okay, but I, I mean, <clears throat> it agitates me. That a person would, would plagiarize. And I know it's nothing new. People plagiarize. People are stupid. This is the world we live in. But me personally, I would never do that. I would never, ever, ever do that. Philip Mewson has a son. All right? I don't know his home life, you know, with the mom. But I know that he never talks about it. So I'm assuming they're separated. So I'm assuming that he just screwed his life up pretty bad. And Nintendo Voice Chat, my favorite podcast, was covered by Zachary Ryan this week. He's been in the podcast for a while now. I didn't necessarily like him as a host, but I like his opinions on stuff. I think he's a little too silly and not enough serious about the po for the podcast. But I digress. They're going through a lot of changes, and they're doing what they can in the time frame they have. They can't just be like, oh yeah, you're fired, but first record this NVC. No. They had to rush a new review out, cancel that review, do a new review. I don't know, man. The review that's out now should have been the first and only review. And it makes me sad that Philip Mewson did this to himself. I would love to go to IGN, you know, in California, whenever I can afford to go, because I think IGN is dope. And uh, I feel like the best way to do that is to go to E3 and go to the IGN booth. Um, everybody has their celebrities that they're super into. For me, it's Kelly Clarkson. She's my celebrity crush, and I love her. And I'm jealous of her manager, who is her husband, because she's gorgeous. But f as far as meeting celebrities go... Meh. I don't want to meet Johnny Depp. I don't want to meet, you know, Mel Gibson. I don't want to meet anybody famous. Not really. I want to meet Brian Altano. I want to meet Max Goville. I want to meet Zachary Ryan or Per Schneider. Or Lily Zandivar doesn't work at IGN anymore, but she was on the podcast for a while. She's, you know, obsessed with Waluigi. I follow her on Twitter. It'd be cool to meet her. You know, Alana Pierce, I'd love to meet her because she was 
Um, she was kind of, I didn't like her at first. And then the more I got to see her content, the more I got to see, you know, videos on IG and the more I liked her. And then she was on an NVC podcast and I was like, you know what? You're, you're a lot cooler than I thought you were. So dope. And that's the cool thing about it is, you know, I just love, love, love a lot of the people at IG and, and it would just be great to meet them, you know, be great to meet them. I feel like the world we live in today, celebrities aren't so much the people you want to meet on the red carpet, but like YouTubers and, you know, news sources you love and trust, the podcasts that you listen to, those people are the ones you want to meet, you know? They're just a human being like you living their life, but giving you content. And I, I can relate to that. I can dig that. I can, that's more relatable. Now, would it be cool to meet Stan Lee or Chris Evans or, you know, whomever from a movie. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, that'd be great. If I could bump into Andrew Garfield and he'd be like, yo, what's up? I'd be like, bro, what's up? You're a dope actor. Then I would love to do that. But, you know, they're not on the top of my list by any means, you know? I'm working at a bank right now. Do I think I'll be here forever for the rest of my life? Maybe. I love my job right now. But because I love my job, I don't want to lose my job. So I do my job. And if I'm not doing my job, I sure as heck hope my manager talks to me and tells me I'm not doing my job and I need to do better. Because I'm sure as heck not trying to get looked at for negativity, but for positivity. You know what I'm saying? When people say, yo, Zach Love, what do you think of him? Whether it be at work or in general, I want people to say, that guy's nice. He's a good guy. He's got a good heart. He's got a good soul. He treats people well. He does his work. He's a hard worker. Good work ethic. Honest. Full of integrity. I don't want to be known as the guy who plagiarized and ruined my career. I don't want to be known as a guy who's just downright dirty or nasty or mean or disrespectful or only cares about myself or is greedy or is only concerned with how much money I'm making. I don't want to be that person. So I'm hustling. Heck, maybe one day, this is me spitballing, dreaming. Maybe one day I can use my podcast, my platform, my YouTube channel to kind of get me a job at a, a gaming outlet like IGN. You know how cool that'd be? If I was just like, yeah, I've been doing this podcast for four or five years now. I'm in my 30s. I'm living on my own. I got a, an established YouTube channel where I game. You know, you could check all that out. I'd love to work for, you know, your your industry, your, your outlet. Let's just use IGN as an example since it's part of the controversy. Uh, I'd love to meet Parrish Schneider. I think he might be the one who interviews the new Nintendo people. I'm not sure. But, like... Let's just say, for instance, he is. And I'm sitting in a room with Per Schneider. He's on the other side of a desk. He's interviewing me. First of all, I'm going to be nervous as hell. Because I'm with the man, the myth, the legend, Per Schneider. He owns every single Amiibo. Has every color Switch Joy-Con imaginable. Does the Joy-Con mods. Badass father. German heritage. My mom's part German, so that's why I say that. Um, and I'm just like, yeah. 
That'd be dope. I'd be nervous as hell, but I would I would be professional. I'll be like, yo. Well, I wouldn't say yo, because <laughs> that's not professional. I'll be like, sir, my history, my resume, I got a podcast, I got a show on YouTube, I'm, I'm kicking it. I'd love to work for y'all in San Fran. When should I tell my lease I'm leaving? When should I start looking for an apartment up in Cali? Look, that's a pipe dream. But if you don't dream big, what are you dreaming for? I can make all these dreams. These small, accomplishable... Accomplishable isn't a word, I don't think. I can make all these small dreams or or accomplishments that I, I could easily get or achieve. You know, like pump out 100 podcasts after 100 weeks. Yeah, that's possible. This is my 10th podcast, you know? So all I got to do is 90 more weeks of podcasts, and we, we solid 100%, baby. But, like, why not dream big? Shoot for the stars. Fly to the moon. You know? I don't see why not. Anything is attainable if, you you know, how, you know, you give yourself the tools to accomplish it. As soon as I get a desktop, these podcasts are going to be a lot easier to do because I'll have the freedom of doing them on my PC versus on my phone. I don't know if Philip Mewson's going to go back to making YouTube videos. He hasn't posted anything on his Twitter for days except for updating that he doesn't work at IGN. Now he just, it literally his description says, I make YouTube videos. It used to say a uh, Nintendo editor at IGN. Now it says, I make YouTube videos. So I go to his YouTube channel. Nothing for 10 months. That being said, I don't know what he's going to be doing in the future. He had a big YouTube following that followed him to IGN. But uh, considering this controversy... Anything is possible. Anything at all. I've gone on about this for about 17 and a half minutes now, so... The last thing I want to say... Is that I hope IGN recovers from this. Finds a badass new host for NVC. A new Nintendo editor. And uh, things move forward. I'm going to keep following Philip Mewson on Twitter... So I can see what happens next. Heck, I might do an update video. You never know. I will say the new Dead Cells review is out. It's not plagiarizing anybody. The way uh, journalism should be. This is crazy, man. The news is crazy. People are even crazier. And that's going to wrap up another episode of Fat Love Talk. Really appreciate you guys supporting this, watching this, listening to this, however you choose to listen, wherever you choose to listen. Make sure you share this podcast with all your friends, your family, um, your aunts and uncles, nieces, and nephews. Um, follow me on my YouTube channel. I've been pumping out those live streams at Alpha Phenomenon Gaming. And Twitter is, of course, The Paper Penguin. 14-year-old me is thrilled that I'm sharing that with the world. <laughs> and then definitely, definitely follow me on my Snapchat, where I'm posting all the time. It's all lowercase, all one word, fat love, P-H-A-T, 
L-O-V-E. And make sure if you follow me on Anchor or you listen to me on the Anchor app that uh, you leave me some feedback because I'd love to hear what you're thinking of the music I'm playing. Um, if you're not listening on the Anchor app, you didn't hear it, but I, I am playing some 80s tunes um, this podcast between segments at the beginning and at the end. I'm going to play one here uh, after this right here, so stay tuned for that. Um, and then that's going to be the end of the episode. Um, I do love all the people listening. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And just like that, Fat Love Talk has reached the end of another episode where I choose to ramble instead of ending the episode. Mad love, take care, and peace. 